Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Before I begin this morning by focusing on our preaching text from Romans 8, verses 1 through 4, I'd like to take just a few moments, if you can indulge me, and focus on the 29 years of my affiliation and membership here at St. Timothy's and maybe explain to you why in the world, Rick, are you up in the pulpit today? Why are you leading worship? Well, when asked by Pastor Jim Cords um, to lead worship and preach, I need to take you back a little bit in time, back to mid-February. And uh, some of you may know it, and some of you may not, but I recently retired on February 8th. Soon after retiring on February 8th, the phone rings, and on the other end it's Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim is asking me to go out to lunch. Now, I don't know about you, but when a pastor calls me and invites me to lunch, the first thing that creeps into my mind and heart is suspicion. You know, why in the world is he inviting me to lunch? So I said yes, of course, knowing that I would probably have to pick up the check, but that's okay. I mean, that Jim wanted to, I wouldn't let him. Um, but we agreed to meet at a Keys in Willow Glen. I said, this time normally I come to you to lunch uh, in your direction, Jim, for lunch. This time you're going to drive over to Willow Glen and, and come in my direction. So we walked in, met at a Keys, found a table, sat down, had a few moments of chit-chat together, and finally... Jim looked at me with kind of a serious expression on his face, and he said, is it true? And I responded, is what true? And he said, are you officially retired? I told him yes, but then I quickly intervened. This is where I was going to cut him off at the pass, and I said, yes, Jim, I am officially retired, but for the first six months of my retirement, I've committed to doing absolutely nothing. Right? I thought that was a good plan, and especially in light of a pastor who is most likely there to ask me to do something at church. So he smiled, and he said uh, that he would honor that request, but he had this nagging concern. He said, Rick, you know, with uh, Pastor Jonah's departure and now with Pastor Jim and Judy wanting to kind of slow down a little bit and, and not commit to as many things in their quote-unquote, semi-retirement, right? You guys, you guys should have followed my lead and said, you know, we're not doing anything for the first six months. But, uh, but, but they didn't, and we're thankful for that. Um, he, uh, he said he was a little concerned. I said, Jim, what concerns you? He said, well, the bench, the, the preaching bench at St. Timothy's is, is a little weak right now. In fact, it's, it's only me, and once in a while, maybe I can twist Anna's job, and, 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 uh, and uh, you know, with Joe gone, he said, it's, it's, it's pretty slim. So uh, he told me he had a fear that he might come down with COVID, and he was wondering, what in the world will I do? So he looked at me, and he said, you know, as, as an ordained pastor, um, would you have anything in your file that you would be willing to pull out, dust off, maybe make a little more contemporary and, and you know, come in front of the members of St. Timothy's to uh, lead worship and preach? 
So I thought about it for a moment, and I thought, well, what's, what's the likelihood of Pastor Jim getting COVID? You know, he's a big, strong, tall, strapping, you know, semi-young man. And, uh, and I thought, nah, you know, don't have a lot to risk. So I, I thought for a moment, and I said, yep, that's one thing I can do for you, Jim. So now, you know, let's kind of fast forward to more current times and go back about 10 days, and the phone rings again. And I hear Pastor Jim's voice. Rick, I have COVID. And I said, oh. I said, no, that's, that's not good news at all, Jim. And, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, coming at a time in my life. For those of you, some of you know, that uh, Tammy and I are selling our home here in San Jose and we're moving to Scottsdale, Arizona. So in fact, we just closed on the recording of our home in Willow Glen and we, um, on this coming Wednesday, we'll set to close on the home that we're purchasing in Scottsdale. So Pastor Jim had called and he shared with me that uh, he had COVID. He told me that the, the, the Sunday you know, that was only three days away, was covered by Jim and Judy, that Pastor Jim Bangson was preaching, Pastor Judy Bangson was leading the liturgy, you know, the worship service itself. So he said, don't worry about that. But he said, the following Sunday on Memorial Weekend, would you cover it for me? And I said, Jim, I'm a person of my word. I told you I would, so I want you to heal, get well as soon as possible. We've got you covered. And so... Um, I could hear the sound of relief on the other end of the phone. Some of you may know this one. Some of you may not. I'm kind of, you know, not assuming that uh, the church is full of this knowledge, but I have been an inactive ordained pastor um, for quite some time. In fact, it's ironic, but this month marks to the date my 40th anniversary of my ordination celebration. However, having said that, it's been a long, long time since I've been in the pulpit. I, I did a lot of fill-in for the Auburn Church, um, did that for about not quite a year. Um, but 33 years ago, I felt released from my call to public ministry, and I began a career in corporate America. But some of you know, and in and, and, and doing that, I always told people, I said, I've never you know, left my faithful commitment to my God. It's just how God was calling me and using me. God brought us to St. Timothy's 29 years ago. Um, seems like in some ways just yesterday that I was leading our little toddlers by the hand and, and into church. Um, they're all grown adults now and have their own children, making us very proud grandparents. Um, but during that 29 years, I had all kinds of opportunity to be part of this church and to act in a very um, aggressive way of, of serving and leading it wherever God called me to serve and lead. I can remember Judy, Judy when we were huddled together in your house for 18 months doing you know, a, a, the huddle ministry. I can remember you know, launching from that to starting a, a grow group. Uh, Tammy and I shared on a Sunday evening and had uh, many members as, as part of that, that uh, 
growing in discipleshiping ministry. I can remember all the walks that we did uh, for Walk for Water. Um, eight years and, and $750,000 later that we raised um, during the ministry for, for Water Mission. I can remember, you know, originating and creating um, projects with City Team and, and then volunteering my church, St. Timothy's, and having all these fearful men and women kind of saying, you did what? You committed us to what? And, and, and we did that service. And working alongside of James and the other leadership with Village House. And the list goes on and on and on. But through it all, you know, I've been terribly, terribly blessed by the ministry that uh, has happened here in this congregation. So I can honestly say I love my, my family of St. Timothy's. And uh, he, the Lord has given me many, many opportunities to serve. But the one thing I didn't do much of is proclamation here. I preached a few times, um, but pretty much early in Dan's ministry that he had, had invited me in. And then it seemed as we grew and staffed for everything that uh, was to follow, there really wasn't a need to have an, another person come in and, and fill in in the pulpit. So right now, as you can imagine, after all these years, uh, feeling a little concerned, a little nervous, and would ask that you pray for me in the leadership of this, you know, in the sharing of this message. And pray that the Holy Spirit works through me and lifts me up and the Holy Spirit works in your lives to receive the message that's about to be shared. So last Sunday, if you were here and fortunate to hear Pastor Jim um, proclaim and, and, and do a, what I would call a discourse sermon on Romans, the entire book of Romans, kind of helping walk us through that. And Pastor Jim is a marvelous teacher, and there was a ton of gems that he, he shared with us as he took us through that book. And I was listening very intently as I knew that I was going to be preaching on Romans 8 today. And so as I reflected in putting this sermon together on what Pastor Jim said, you know, one, some of the things that clicked for me was the fact that this was probably Paul's greatest letter. Um, it also reminded me, you know, in seminary and taking some courses on, on Paul's letters that Romans was, I would say, his most difficult letter, uh, his deepest letter to, to understand and to, uh, to apply to our situations today. And, and then we learned from Pastor Jim that it influenced the likes of Augustine and Martin Luther and Wesley and others in their journey of faith. And it's through those journeys of faith that it shaped and molded the church and helps us in our journey of faith today. Then Jim went on to kind of divide or um, section out Romans so it's easier if you're ever going to approach it um, in its totality split it into the parts where the first five chapters deal with kind of the gospel according to, to the Apostle Paul, verse, uh, chapters 1 through 5, and then he went on and he said the life that follows can be kind of gleaned in chapters 6 through 8, followed by the question, what, what about the Jews um, in 9 through 11, and then going back to um, the life that follows, part 2. In, in chapters 12 and 15. And then finally, in chapter 16, Paul kind of diverges and talks about a few things of dissension and then offers some various greetings to people in this letter. But he did say that chapter 8, 
was really kind of the focal point of this letter. He said it's kind of like the sparkling gem in the midst of all the other writings that that Paul has in Romans. So it's that sparkling gem, the first four verses, that I'd like to take and maybe examine a little bit more thoroughly as as we approach his word today. So let's start with verse 1. St. Paul writes, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 30 years of guilt. That's still troubling me that somebody would hang on to 30 years of guilt. But, But when we look at this first verse and we see that very first word, therefore, therefore is always a sign pointing backwards. So Paul wants us to go back and look at what he previously stated. And here he's pointing back to chapter 7. He's pointing back to chapter 7 to God's law, to the law given by God to the Israelites his chosen people. It's the same law that God gives to us today, his chosen people. And it is the law that is the very thing that binds us, I believe, in this desire to do and earn our own salvation. Yes, it's still very much alive. And in, in, in as we try to, you know, even though we know better, that we try to follow this law. Many years ago, again, I'm what you might, and hopefully this will bear out true even to the end of my life, a a cradle-to-grave Lutheran, right? And during the process, much like the children here and our children here were taken to Sunday school as, you know, on a normal day, Shelley, when we have Sunday school, we dismiss them and and they go off and they're with Tony and others and and led through that process. Well, I, I had that as part of my history too. And one of the things we would do, we would sing a little bit before we'd go with our own Sunday school teacher to class. And, and in that singing, one of the songs that we sang was Climb, Climb, Climb Up Jacob's Ladder. Anybody familiar with that song? Yeah? Some, some of you, hopefully, you know. But, but if you dissect the words of that song, really what it's about is it's about uh, earning our salvation through works, right? One rung at a time climbing up Jacob's ladder with the hopes of of getting to heaven. So it's that voice that continues in some ways more than 30 years later to still get crop up and get in my head. Um, And I find it hard to believe that it probably isn't the same voice that, that pops up into your head once in a while. So when Jim approached me and asked me about preaching, for you know the congregation today, one of the things that instantly cropped up, and again I had to hold it at bay, and it was about Rick. You know you're going to be ready to deliver a message to the people of St. Timothy's. You probably need to do a little better with your life this week. Try a little harder to be holy. Well, you know how that worked out, right? Worked out the same way as if you made that promise to yourself. We still have this thing that we call sin that permeates our lives and, and, and lives in us and will crop and raise up its ugly head whenever it has a chance. Luther called it the old Adam that lives in us. 
and the old Adam certainly is, is alive and well. And once again, the law proved that on my own, I am absolutely powerless to do anything, to get even a half a rung higher towards this heavenly climb. Paul writes in chapter 7, verse 6, But now, by dying to once, but what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code. Right? New way of the Spirit. In the home recently sold in Willow Glen, we had quite a few roses. And, uh, you know, Tammy and I have uh, divided responsibility. Mine is taking care of the outside. And so I find myself pruning the roses fairly regularly. And in doing so, when I'm reaching around, kind of climbing in between, oftentimes I get hung up, caught up in the thorns. I believe that's exactly how the Apostle Paul viewed trying to live the righteous life by the law. Every time he tried to do it on his own, with his own power, he kept getting caught deeper and deeper in the thorns of his own sinfulness. When Paul begins Romans 8, he acknowledges for the first time in his life he's been cut free by the knife of the Holy Spirit. He's freed from the thorns. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That word condemnation in Greek is katakurino. It means to pass judgment against, like a judge who's there passing sentence upon a convict. In other words, when we try and attempt to keep the law, when we try to be a good person, when we try to free ourselves from the ensnarement of our sinfulness, when we try to climb Jacob's ladder, the law convicts us. Self-reliance is the road to condemnation. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul states, there is no condemnation. On to verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set us free from the law of sin and death. God frees us through Christ's gift to us of his Holy Spirit. We are no longer caught up and ensnared by thorns of sin. But like Paul, we're cut loose. We're set free. Jesus invites us into his kingdom now by the act of wearing a crown of thorns and by being put to death on the cross only to defeat death and through his death and only to defeat death on the cross and then is resurrected from death. As I shared earlier, this is the last Sunday of our Easter season. And therefore it popped in my head, would you indulge me one more time? Because it's going to not be until next Easter that you'll be able to kind of say this and respond to it. 
He is risen. What a, what a powerful statement. Next Sunday we celebrate Pentecost. And what color are we going to wear? Red. Thank you for listening to the announcements. All right. So that's the season where we begin remembering how we too are filled again once more with God's powerful Holy Spirit. In this verse, Paul reminds us of the Pentecost story. It is the law of the Spirit that sets us free from sin and death. God's kingdom has arrived, and we are delivered now from the grasp of death. O death, where is thy power? O death, where is thy sting? Verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Paul makes it very clear. The law does not deliver us. The law does not save us. The law reveals to us our sinful flesh and how we are powerless. We cannot climb Jacob's ladder. We cannot live a good and righteous life apart from Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. Apart from Christ, we are powerless and doomed to fail. It is God's activity and God's activity alone that saves us. Jesus became for us a sin offering to condemn sin. Verse 4. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. We are freed from the law. We are freed from death. We are freed from the power of sin. That is the good news of deliverance that we hear today. That is the good news of deliverance that we need to remind ourselves of all the time. This is the good news of the kingdom of God entering into our world and entering into our lives. Yet being completely and totally saved, we still acknowledge that we live in the in-between times. We have been delivered from the kingdom of evil into the kingdom of God. And yet in the most perfect prayer ever taught, Jesus teaches us to pray daily the words, deliver us from evil. The devil we know is defeated and is powerless to harm us. The devil continues, though, to lurk around every corner. He jumps into every faithless void possible. He encouraged, in fact, this week, a hopeless individual to go out and kill innocent children and a teacher in one of the most horrific shootings that we can remember in Uvalde, Texas. The devil continues to harden the hearts of the leadership of one of the largest countries of this world, Russia, and allows them to direct bombs and other travesties against the people of Ukraine. And that is just a small sampling of the evil that 
exists in our world this past week. However, even in the worst of times, those who are called by Jesus Christ to faith, those who are caught up in these situations of evil, yet have hope. Satan is powerless to them. And they know in Christ they have victory over suffering, even suffering that is brought about by death. That begs the question, as a community of the faithful, what are we called to do? Well, first of all, I believe we're called to immerse ourselves in Scripture, to be in the good news as faithfully and as frequently as we possibly can. And in preparation for this theme of kingdom deliverance, I was quickly brought back to John's gospel and reminded in the, in the very latter portion of that gospel these words, these post-resurrection words of Jesus, where Jesus says, as he comes back to meet with his disciples, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Wow. Let me read that again. That is a powerful statement in John's Gospel. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We are sent people, aren't we? Even today, those of us at St. Timothy's, you're, we are gathered here to focus, to offer praise and proclamation, to be in his word. But once we leave, we head out those doors. And like his disciples, Jesus sends us into the world. He sends us. He empowers us. We go into the world to offer all those whom we come into contact with forgiveness even those who are trapped in guilt for 30 years, please offer the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has empowered us to give. We offer those whom we come into contact with his grace. Yes, we have the power to offer the grace that Jesus has bestowed upon us. And we offer those whom we come into contact with his love. And how do we do that? By loving them. So, again, as we go through those doors, please remember forgiveness, grace, and love. Please make that part of your weekly endeavor this, this week. For the past 29 years at St. Timothy's, I have worshipped God. I have studied his word diligently. But until recently, this command to go into the world and offer others his peace, I didn't take nearly seriously enough. Discipleship in my life was the one piece that was truly missing. I wasn't going out and freely sharing of that word. The law and the gospel dialect shared in Romans is part of my life and I'm sure it's part of yours. This empowerment by the Holy Spirit that came into our lives at the time we were baptized is shared by us all. It is this going into the world and offering the world the peace of God is where I have struggled 
and continue to struggle. It's not an easy thing. How do we talk about our faith with those we encounter, both friends, family, and, and more challenging of all, strangers? It is that which makes us uncomfortable. However, with the power of the Holy Spirit, I know I will do better, for God's creation is depending upon it. I know with the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be encouraged today and in the weeks coming to do better. God's creation is depending on it. So today, go into the world and share his forgiveness, his peace, and his love. And may we continue to be delivered from our sinfulness in this world. And may God's kingdom come to us all. Amen.